Hi, I'm Mei Tan Mullins, Dean International and Chief Sustainability Officer at James Cook University in Singapore. Our guest today is Andrew Boy, Vice President of Singtel Group Corporate Sustainability, a Singapore-based regional telco. Welcome, Andrew. Thank you for doing this. Thank you, May. My pleasure and great to be back in Singapore. Lovely. I know you travel between Australia and Singapore, so it's really fortunate to catch you this time and you'll be able to do this for us. Thank you very much. My pleasure. Okay. So very quickly, I'll just start off with a very, very simple question, which seems very complicated. With your wealth of leadership experiences across various positions, what initially motivated you to enter the field of sustainability? Well, May, I've been with the Singapore telecoms uh, and the telco industry now 33 years when I first graduated and uh, have led various parts of the business across the region and almost every diverse function. But I would say, you know, there were some shaping parts of my journey when I was the chief operating officer in Globe Telecom in the Philippines. You know, I was working there first time out of Singapore. Wow. And you get very exposed to a very different social economic situation compared to Singapore. You see a lot more poverty, rurality, low-income families, etc. And I started to realize actually that, you know, our industry could have a very significant impact, positive impact to those that are a lot more disadvantaged and vulnerable yeah. in the community. And I could see how every time we rolled out our network to villages that had no mobile coverage before, it stimulated jobs, economy, education, and it actually transformed lives. And that was my first insight that the telco industry had such a big positive impact. But on the other hand, the industry were in also at what are called the unintended consequences. Yes. Now, right? Uh, Cyberbullying, digital device addiction, data privacy, cybersecurity. Mm. We're also a very big energy consumer. Yes, with Emissions data, footprint. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So as a business, I also felt we have to play a stronger role in addressing the unintended consequences of our industry. And when I went over to Australia, I did a lot of volunteering in the vulnerable youth segment. Mm -hmm. And so in around 2012, as I was transiting out from a key senior leadership role, uh, I was just thinking what I want to do next. And I felt I want to pursue a path of stronger purpose and what role could we play as a company mm. in making a broader impact to society. And that's when I stepped out to start up the sustainability function at the Singtel Group. It was in a role that existed before. I had to create it. I literally did step down from senior positions because at that time, there was no concept of sustainability. Yeah. No HR person could size it. Yeah. Uh, and that, that's been my journey. I've never looked back. Lovely. So it seems like impact, purpose and unintended consequences sort of shifted you into this path. Uh, when you're taking up this position, did you undergo any training, for example, any courses to prepare you for what's coming your way? I wish there were courses because at that time there were no playbooks. Yep. I did start initially in the social impact space, which I was a lot more familiar through volunteering. You get a sense of the social issues on the ground. And really, it started off by just trying to drive a more strategic approach 
which was largely at the time philanthropic in the way Singtel approached community. Yes. Yep. And it was really about how do we bring digital to social impact, uh, technology and innovation to the work we do, how do we address the digital space and the issue it's creating, which is our industry that we are in. Yep. And that was really where I started. And, you know, uh, over time, everything started to become sustainability. There were environmental issues, yes. compliance, and it's actually quite convenient for parts of the organization to say, isn't that sustainability, Andrew? Yeah. And over time, the portfolio just grew to include climate and supply chain and circular economy yeah. and even talent and leadership and diversity. So yes. today, when we look at sustainability, it's the full flash. But I've sort of learned uh, on the job. I have come from the business. So it was quite easy to understand and relate to where the opportunities for mm -hmm. sustainability would be in all parts of the business. But today, there's a lot more knowledge and skills and training out there that people can leverage. Yeah, indeed, that's true. Um, I'm just going to ask you a naughty question. Sure. Okay, because sustainability, we all know, is very much based on the ESG framework. Is there a particular favorite of yours in terms of the E, the S, or the G? I think they are all interesting uh, areas. I don't have a particular favorite. I would say, you know, I, I don't come from an environmental science or training or degree. Mm. So social is something I can relate to. It's human in yep. nature. I was an arts graduate. So, you know, I started sociology and yes. things like that. And you can relate to it. Yeah. But there's no favorite because actually while we try and split environmental and social and governance, uh, these issues and sustainability are very what we call systems issues. Mm -hmm. They're all interconnected. Right. Uh, so even if you talk about climate separately, a lot of the climate change issues are impacting humans. That's true. Right. And yep. it's actually humans that are making decisions that's impacting the environment. And you've got to change the behaviors, for example. Yep. So in a way, they're all interconnected. And I think it's important people understand the interconnectivity of the issues, because if we are able to address them, it's through a systematic approach rather than conceptually breaking them up yep. into different issues. And likewise, governance from a corporate angle it's a very important area because if you don't put governance and structures and cadence behind, then how do you know you're progressing? How do you know you're doing it with authenticity? How do you know you're meeting your targets? The the governance is now yes. as important as the E as, as well as the S. Yeah, very good. I like the word authenticity as well. And I'm just going to, again, ask a very naughty question, shifting to greenwashing. Yeah. We all know that there, there are some very good companies who are very authentic and very serious about what they're doing in terms of sustainability. But there are some that who are not doing it for the real purpose of sustainability, but more like a unintended greenwashing practices. So what kind of advice do you have out there for companies who are trying to implement or practice sustainability initiative and not bothering into greenwashing kind of category? Yeah. Well, the first thing I'll say is Many times CSR and sustainability started in the brand, the PR, marketing mm. teams. That's the first challenge because uh, the pedigree is all about uh, telling a great story, yes. right? Uh, and sometimes it's really about making sure firstly where the function sits and the governance and the processes and, and the structures behind that. Uh, those do make a difference. So, you know, to avoid things like uh, a greenwashing, we follow very clear global standards. You know, when you follow global standards, you have to uh, follow and disclose to global standards. Uh, data that aligns with global standards. Data is very important. Indeed. You can tell any creative narrative, but the data doesn't lie. But the data, to make sure it doesn't lie, yep. we also have assurance of the data. 
Yes. Right? Uh, internal assurance, uh, internal controls, external assurance. Uh, for all our major sustainability and ESG topics, we've got to bring it to the board. The board approves the targets we set, mm. the disclosures that we are about to disclose, and they've got to endorse and approve that before it goes out to the public. Yeah. Right? So when you have all these structures, cadence, standards that you follow, it does help to reduce the risk. And sometimes greenwashing is not necessarily intended. Yep. Right? Like for example, we were very early in setting net zero targets and science-based targets yep. before the standards were written in detail. And today, of course, there's a lot of talks uh, where the companies are setting ambitions that they don't have a roadmap. But I'll tell you, yeah. if you don't set a target, exactly. no one develops a roadmap. It's true. So is that greenwashing? I'll say no, actually, we've got to set ambitious targets, even if we don't have all the answers, because the issues we are dealing with in sustainability are long-term issues. Right? We've got to find the solutions that maybe not all exist today. Yeah, very good. Last month, you were recognised as the number one sustainability leader in telecommunications by Mobile Magazine. Congratulations, and that's an amazing achievement. In your opinion, what sets Singtel apart in terms of sustainability efforts compared to other telecommunications companies? Thank you, May. Firstly, uh, to be recognised as an individual, uh, I'm fortunate because at the end of the day, the things we do and things we achieve in sustainability is not my solo effort. It's great effort by the team, it's support by the whole organization and the business. So any personal recognition I get is actually recognition for the whole team and organization. But I think some things that have set us out uh, th that differentiated us is we were early into the game. You know, 10 years ago, both at the personal level and at the corporate level, not many companies were looking at sustainability. It wasn't sort of the, the fashion or the buzzword. Mm. And I think just by being early and uh, finding ways to solve for issues for which there were no playbooks, mm -hmm. that made a difference because we probably came out ahead and earlier for everything from understanding our mission, setting targets, uh, doing reports that were following advanced standards and so forth. And I think that did drive a level of discipline within the organization, and it's a continuous improvement process. So start early, mm -hmm. you always get there earlier. That's my belief. Don't wait until last minute. Don't wait for compliance. Uh, and I think we've also refined the way the whole business starts to get a lot closely involved uh, because sustainability again is something for us to get the outcomes can't be achieved uh, just through an individual small team. I think some other areas that has made us successful is we've always taken a very collaborative approach. You know, it's one of those issues around uh, collective action. You've got to level up the tide of sorts. And in all our programs, whether they are the climate or our social impact or social innovation, we always bring other partners into the journey, government, nonprofit, even other corporates, tech startups and so forth, even our competitors. You know, so I'll run business roundtables on climate. I remember I used to do that uh, TCFD and SBTI yes. when they were the early buzzwords. We yeah. bring Singapore corporates together and we have our competitors there. And you're wondering, hey, how do you have the competitors yeah. there? But what's wrong with that? Because everyone's got to level up. Yeah. Even for the best effort that Singtel puts in, even though we are a large company, mm. the impact is still a drop in the bucket. So collective action, collective knowledge, collaboration, uh, has been the basis of a lot of our social and environmental 
programs and projects. Yeah, I, I find it quite fascinating that by starting early as a result, Singtel has became the trendsetter as well. And I love the way you appreciate your team in terms of it's a team effort, it's an institutional effort and not just by one person. Makes me feel like I want to ask, do you have a job for me? I would love to work with you in terms of this area. So moving on to another question, which I think will be very interesting for our students, is that, is that I, other than doing your current day job, as the sustainability lead in Singtel, uh, you are also a coach and a mentor and make an impact on the talents you have worked with. What advice do you often find yourself giving to the emerging leaders in the telecommunications sectors or other, any other sectors, especially in terms of sustainability and social responsibility? When I stepped out to start up the sustainability function, this is 2013, the other purpose-driven element was I love people in leadership development. Um, I was a high school dropout in Singapore, and I always say I'm a high school dropout, made good, still made it back successfully, you know, got my degrees and also had a very successful career. So I've always had a lens of you must help others realize that potential. When I dropped out, when I was a failure, there were people, friends, uh, my girlfriend, who's my current wife, well, not my current wife, my wife since, uh, <laughs> you know, yes. since you got married many years ago, yeah. <laughs> and teachers who still saw the potential, they still backed me. So that purpose of helping others realize their potential was also part of that personal purpose. And I felt that, you know, the telco industry, the digital industry is going through a lot of tectonic changes. And while I've had a very diverse and successful career, I found many of my peers and leaders tend to stay in a particular area. You know, if you studied marketing, you follow the path of marketing. In IT, you stay your whole life in IT. Uh, I'm an arts grad, but I've looked after network, strategy, venture capital, marketing, engineering, IT, and so forth. And I felt, why can't, shouldn't other leaders uh, have that same courage to move around? Mm -hmm. And I could play a role to help them. So I went out, got my professional coaching accreditation, and since then I've, I've coached about uh, this year 170 leaders in wow. the Optus Talent Leadership Program, and then recently I've started also coaching leaders on the Singapore side. Uh, it's it's again another area of purpose, very important, and I suppose for new starters into the field of sustainability, yeah. right? My my uh, advice is find purpose first. Mm. Because even as I coach many leaders, they may first come to me for career advice. But my focus is not on your career, not on your next promotion, promotions and pays and titles and things like that. Mm. Find your goal as a leader, find your purpose as a leader. Because when you become a purposeful leader, what I found is purposeful leaders naturally get sustainability. Because sustainability is purposeful. Mm. Right. So start with your purpose. Then when you pursue sustainability, you're doing it with authenticity, not because it's the hype of the day. Start with uh, what you're more passionate for. Sometimes, you know, mm. in sustainability, like I mentioned, it covers everything from climate, supply chain and social impact and leadership. Start with where you're focused, where you're interested, and then branch out from there as you start to discover the interconnectivities of sustainability. So that would be my advice. Don't look for jobs that are titled sustainability. My belief is every functional role, whether in engineer, in IT, or HR person, yep. you can embed sustainability. 
So you do yourself a favor. Yes. If you're looking for sustainability in job availability and titles, you should be saying, maybe I studied HR, I'm going to in HR and I'm going to drive leadership development, purposeful leadership, diversity and inclusion, inclusive employment, yep. then sustainability. Or maybe I'm an IT person, right? I'm going to think about choosing more energy efficient equipment or maybe move more things in the cloud, which has lower emissions footprint. Yep. Or look at the e-waste of my IT equipment, right? So my advice is sustainability is in every company, every function, every role. And which means there are multiple jobs out there. Yes. I totally agree with you. And lately I've been, I posted on LinkedIn, I have this uh, post which is very interesting. I say, if you love your job, it is not work but the lifestyle. So finding purpose in your job and doing things that you're passionate about, it's, it's not work. You, you're, you're really enjoying the journey, isn't it? Like really seeing the impact, looking at how your advice have changed people's perspective, not just in terms of career, but how they look around in the world as well and how they interact with other people. So I, I find really, really, you know, hit the nail and strike with me in that sense. So very quickly, um, as you know, we are at James Cook University. We have a lot of university students based here. Many university students today are passionate about sustainability, but may be overwhelmed by the challenges it presents. So again, from your perspective, what guidance would you provide to young, aspiring sustainability talents to help them to navigate this field? I think a starting point is seeing where you as an individual can make a difference starting in a small way, whether in community, volunteer, because that puts you in the cold front of social issue, environmental, you know, are you uh, minimizing fast fashion? Yes, I know. Are you turning I, I off the to, light? Yeah, I don't want to name, name house. Uh, you know, some brands yeah. that are actually cheap and fast. <laughs> because if as an individual, you can put little practice in social and environmental, then you're more likely to get the big picture. Mm -hmm. But it's quite easy to say, I don't do all this, I want to go for the hype of things, and then it gets too complicated, and you can't relate to it. Why? Because you're not practicing as an individual. right? So again, uh, the advice would be start with what you're passionate, what you have an interest for, put yourself to personal practice, start somewhere, and then there's a lot of material out there you can read mm. uh, now about sustainability, yep. uh, webinars and TED Talks and all that learn from other people. It's a fantastic way to build knowledge. It's not all in the theory and the books because like I say, not everything is written yet in academia. Yes, It's an evolving topic, sustainability. Uh, and then look for jobs, whatever job you go to, where you can apply it in the nature of the job that you have. And I think when you start that way, it doesn't get so complicated and overwhelming. And give yourself time. I've been in this uh, sustainability role now for 11 years. Most other roles, I can crack in two to three years. And if you look at my career, two to three years, I've done it. Yeah. I'm still at it, 11 years in sustainability because there's no end game. Yes. And there's constantly new standards, new innovations, new, new opportunities, challenges. new challenges, yes. etc. And it's, uh, it's a journey. So give themselves time, patience, persistence, resilience. But that's where purpose comes in. Because mm. if they're driven by purpose rather than something else, they're more likely to stay the course. Yeah. 
I think purpose is probably be the main keyword I take away from today's session. Uh, and 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 your advice of taking baby steps, doing some behavioral changes, which connects yourself personally to the sustainability agenda is a very useful one as well. Yeah. So now I'm going to ask a little bit of a personal question in terms of some personal sustainability, sustainable practices that you have incorporated into your daily lives that you would like to share with us? Sure, I'll give an example. When I was the VP for consumer marketing, this was 2001. Uh, during a dinner, dinner and dance, D&D, &D, uh, we gave out uh, Kip Cups to all the two, 300 of my staff. Mm -hmm. Those days, Kip Cups are never heard of. That same Kip Cup, I call it the Blue Mark, I used from 2001 all the way to 2022 before it cracked and sprung a leak. That's 20, nearly 21 years. Yeah. Wow. But I use that as an example because everyone knows Andrew and the blue mark. <laughs> Literally, I can lose it. Someone finds it in the pantry. pantry yeah. And Andrew, that's your mark. But I use that to tell the story that actions can start in very small ways, personal ways, authentic ways. But of course, yeah, I've got solar panels on my rooftop. Uh, it's all plastered in, with solar panels in, in Australia and, uh, you know, composting. And I do a lot of, uh, I call it trash to treasure during mm. free time. Take old furnitures, broken stuff, wood locks and all that, and then I'll convert it to artwork, mm. convert it to furniture. So there's are little things that you can do that you are reusing, yeah. recycling, repurposing, repurposing yeah. rather than throwing away, yeah. right? Yeah. And uh, the only sin, I'll confess, I love the outdoor. In Australia, I do a lot of four-wheel driving and go out camping, and I don't yet have an electronic vehicle. Yet. Because no EV can, can take me far enough. So that's one area I've got to address as the technology improves and there's, there are more charging stations out in regional and rural Australia. Okay, thank so you. So not quite there yet. Yeah, thank you, Andrew. You're very honest, confessing your sins as well, as well as the good practices you have. Uh, I know our time is running out, so I'm just going to end with a very, very interesting question, which we raise in every podcast uh, in JCU, is that if you were able to travel back in time, what advice would you give your younger self, maybe 21 years old? Okay, maybe if your permission may, I'll go back to the age of 17. Okay, please do. Is that right? where you drop out? When I was a school dropout, oh, okay. right? And of course, <laughs> as a school dropout in the Singapore uh, system, system where education yeah. is so important, uh, I have to confess it was a very difficult moment at that point in time to realize that uh, you don't fit in within the system and people are telling you without education, you don't have a future. Yeah. So my advice, in a way, if I look back, I've been still successful very fortunate, had, a, as I mentioned, a very diverse career. So I suppose the advice with the benefit of 2020 hindsight I would give to my 17-year-old self is be optimistic, always be optimistic. It's all upside after you fail. Mm. So don't be afraid of failure. Pursue what you're passionate for, what you're interested in, for the things that you're incompetent. Leverage the knowledge, the help of others because you cannot know everything. And I think lead life with purpose, lead life, lead life with passion and you know, lead life with a growth mindset of always being prepared to learn new things and take some risk. So I've done that through my career and my journey. It's worked for me. So that would be the same advice I'll give myself, even though I wouldn't want to change a single thing in my life. 
the failures, the ups and downs are just all part of journey. Yes, very good. You know, it's it's there's always a saying saying that you need to experience the dark in order to know what's the light, as well as you need to experience it down in order to know what's the high. So with that, thank you so much, Andrew, for a very honest and very open and very candid sharing of your career, as well as giving advice to our students and the audience in terms of what to embrace, what to be led in life, and purpose kept coming up. I'm sure the audience would like to find out more about you and engage with you in the future. What's the best way to reach you? Well, the best way is LinkedIn. Andrew Bui, and you'll find me on LinkedIn where I would uh, share perspectives and what are things that are going on. I'm an avid nature photographer, so you can find me, but I'm not going to tell you where. I don't use my name there, but okay. I've got a lot of nature photography and photographs out there somewhere in the social media. Oh, I that's leave people to discover that. That's interesting. I'm sure people will hunt you down through your pictures. And with that, thank you very much again, Andrew. Uh, thank you for joining us today. My pleasure. Thank, thank you for having me here. Thank you. Thank you.